Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Well, good morning. It is a, a blessing and a joy to be with you today. I'm Pastor Michelle, and I'm just so excited to see those of you who are here and those of you that are joining us online. Uh, today we finish out our series on um, on reconstructing our faith. Uh, we're de- looking at how people are deconstructing uh, their faith on on social media. And so, t- to to close up that series, we're going to hear this great story from Acts chapter sixteen. One day, when we were on the way to the place for prayer, we met a slave woman. She had a spirit that enabled her to predict the future. She made a lot of money for her owners through fortune-telling. She began following Paul and us, shouting, These people are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. She did this for many days. This annoyed Paul so much that he finally turned and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. It left her at that very moment. Her owners realized that their hope for making money was gone. They grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the officials in the city center. When her owners approached the legal authorities, they said, These people are causing an uproar in our city. They are Jews who promote customs that we Romans can't accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attacks against Paul and Silas, so the authorities ordered that they be stripped of their clothes and beaten with a rod. When Paul and Silas had been severely beaten, the authorities threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to secure them with great care. When he received these instructions, he threw them into the innermost cell and secured their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. All at once, there was such a violent earthquake that it shook the prison's foundations. The doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer awoke and saw the open doors of the prison, he thought the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted loudly, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for some lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He led them outside and asked, Honorable masters, what must I do to be rescued? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your entire household. They spoke the Lord's word to him and everyone else in the house. Right then in the middle of the night, the jailer welcomed them and washed their wounds. He and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his home and gave them a meal. He was overjoyed because he and everyone in his household had come to believe in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So it's no accident that in looking at this series of how Christianity and the church is being portrayed online and how it is uh, causing folks to deconstruct their faith and in some cases walk away from their faith, it's no accident that most of this series has taken place in Acts. Because Acts tells us so much about who the early church was in those first 
days and weeks and months and years after Jesus ascended, who were we? And I think it's instructive that we look at that reality in comparison with the reality that we face now. So let's, let's dig deep into this story. Let's look at this moment that I've just shared with you. And let's start with this story about the slave girl. You know, I don't know about you, but I have a question from this story right away, which is, why didn't Paul set her free from the demon right at the beginning? Why did he let her continue to be possessed? You know, we, we have all of these stories where, where disciples and apostles come across someone who's possessed and they set him free, set him free from that demon. Why doesn't Paul do that? Well, this power that she has, she is using to go around and promote Paul, to share the fact that these people have this message of salvation, and she is trumpeting that. It's like they have their first, you know, really good hype woman in this town, right? She, she's going around spreading this word that these guys carry this truth, they carry this salvation, and, and you know, Paul, I mean, likes that advantage, I'm sure. She is a trusted, people know that she tells the truth, she tells the future. She's this trusted entity and she is proclaiming that they carry the truth. So then that raises another question. Why'd they set her free at all? You know, it tells us that in the passage that Paul was annoyed. And I think there's a tendency to interpret that as Paul was annoyed that she kept following them around. But does that make any sense? As I mentioned, here she is carrying this word saying that these people are speaking the truth. They have this message of salvation. Why would that irritate Paul? He's empowering people all over the known world to share that very thing. Why would that annoy him? That doesn't make any sense. Why was Paul annoyed? Maybe he's annoyed because he realizes he's benefiting from a woman being enslaved. Maybe he's finally annoyed with the injustice of it all. And the injustice that this woman is a slave at all. Because the truth of the matter is, he knows if he does something about this, there's a risk to that, right? There's a risk. He probably is going to face a beating in prison, and he's going to face challenges from people, and it's going to impede his ability to carry the message. But what good is the message if it relies on people being oppressed and enslaved? What good is a message of freedom and hope if you stand there and must use someone who is not free to carry it? It interrupts their witness if they won't live up to what they're saying. And so he takes a bold move. He sets this vulnerable woman free and it costs him and Silas their freedom they are beaten and they are thrown into the innermost cell of the prison where all they have left is their faith. But what kind of faith is that? It's a faith 
that sings from prison. It's a faith that has so much joy that it doesn't matter that they're encased, that they're trapped. They can still sing out. And in this moment of singing out, what happens? An earthquake. The foundations of the earth shake and their chains drop off. Now, there's an easy theological interpretation here. Oh, look at this. We were singing praise hymns to God. We've been carrying God's message, and as a result, God shook the foundation of the earth, broke our chains, and so we obviously are meant to go free. Let's run. God means for us to get away. God loves us so much. God breaks the rules and lets us out, and here we go. That's not the theological interpretation they choose. Instead, they must have stopped and asked themselves a question like this. Wow, in this miraculous moment, what is God doing? How does God mean for us to show love in this moment? What can I do to show that love? And who will I hurt if I act for my own good? It's not a theology of privilege, which is what it would be if they would have said, God meant for me to be free, even though this jailer is going to pay with his life. That's his problem. I'm one of the chosen ones. I'm obviously the one that God set free, so I'm going to go. That's a theology of privilege. That's a I'm better than you theology. Instead, they choose a theology of love, an ethic of love, and say, what am I supposed to do for someone else in this moment? What have I been set free to do to show love? How do I love in this space? How do I bring salvation to someone in this space? How do I save someone's life in this space? It's not a God loves me more theology. It's a God loves all of us. And I'm sent to be the one that shows you that love. I didn't read the passage beyond this. We know... You, you hear that as a result of them not leaving, the jailer hears the good news and accepts it and is baptized. His whole family, they are set free. They encounter salvation. But Paul and Silas stay there because they're still in prison. And then some officials send word that they can go now. And that's when Paul and Silas say, wait a minute. The truth of the matter is you did not follow your own rules because we are Roman citizens. And as Roman citizens, we were owed due process. And you didn't give us that system. You didn't give us that officials. You didn't let us have our say. You didn't follow your own rules. 
and that made them tremble. That is when Paul and Silas used their power, used their privilege to say to the system, you are unjust, you have a problem, you have got to fix this. Not at the beginning when it would have served them, but as they're already set free, they name this only for the benefit of those that will follow. And that, my friends, is what they did. They used their privilege to call power to account. And that's the only way that change really happens. If the powerful use power to change things and the powerless have access to some of that power. That's how change happens. But there's risk to that. There's risk to that. The risk is prison. The risk is that some freedoms are lost. Some rights are given up. There is a binding that must be occur so that others might be set free. The powerful must be bound so that others might be free. But the gain, the gain is a real faith. The gain is a faith that sings out in prison. The gain is a faith that shakes the foundations of the earth. The gain is a faith that sets others free and saves lives. Who will I hurt if I act for my own good? I've been haunted by those words this week. I've sat with them sitting with this passage and I've sat with them because of all that's happened this week. I want so many more to ask that question. Who will I hurt if I act for my own good? When in fact so many are instead asking, how can the world serve me and my worldview? I... You know, like to take scripture and apply it to, to our lives, make it real and applicable to where we are now. And I thought when I was approaching this passage that I was going to do was look at the state of teachers. After all, this is the last week of school. And I had a an, an powerful lunch with a local educator who shared with me the crisis that teachers are in. They don't feel supported and they are being trampled on. Because so many people are saying, you will teach my worldview. You will say what I want you to say. And if you don't say it, you will lose your job. And so people are leaving the teaching profession. And they aren't even going into the teaching profession. And it's causing this crisis. People who, who went into this profession because they care and love other people. And they want our world to be a better place. Are getting trampled on because people are insisting on their worldview. People are saying, my world is privilege. And you will bow to that I thought I was gonna dig deep in that and then so much was released about the Southern Baptist Convention and their abuse scandal and you see again people who use their power to not only abuse others but then to cover it up and protect their money protect their position and at the cost of so many. And then there was another school shooting. 
And little children and their teachers are gone from this world. Little children. Little children. And I just overwhelmed. But I will say something about all three of those things. They all three have two things in common. One, they all come from a position of privilege, from somebody saying, the way I think, the way I view the world, my position is more important than any of you. They all come from that place and they have people, we have people who think their own perspective is so much better that they will stand on others to preserve it. They will abuse others and cover it up and they will kill for their perspective. And the other thing it has in common is that all three of those things are tied into Christianity. All three of those things, Christianity is used to justify those things. Because, y'all, I say this, anytime we study the Bible, I tell people, you can use this book to justify anything. Anything. That's why we have to read it in community. And that's why we have to come at it from an ethic of love. From that love of God and love of neighbor. It has to shape everything. So when we come at this, we have to ask deep questions. We have to say, what brings us to love? What leads us to love? We are supposed to be the people of the good news Aren't you tired of turning on bad news and hearing us tied into it? Aren't you tired of it? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I heard someone today talk about the exhausted middle. <laughs> the exhausted middle. And that's who I think we are. Tired of the fights on either side when people are dying and we know that's not our faith. Because our faith is a faith that sings from prison. Our faith is a faith that sets aside power. What did Jesus do? Jesus set aside all power to go through being beaten and harassed and killed. And, and all for us to be set free. That the world might know life. That we all might know the power and transformative reality of the love of God. That's what Jesus did. Set aside power to love. To stand with the vulnerable. It's an ethic of love, not of privilege. And that's who this church is trying to be. That's who we are trying to be. I see it in our school partnerships, which we're working on developing even more and being able to stand alongside those teachers and those students and say, we're supporting you. We know that you went into this with the best intentions that all you want to do is teach and we want to stand with you in that. And then it's, it's all around our building. We have signs of peace and welcome all around our building. Because we want to be the people of peace and welcome to say we will stand 
against that violence and we will welcome all. We're not going to stand on one way of thinking. We're going to stand on loving all the ways that people think and all the people who think those ways. We're going to stand there and listen to one another. And then we're going to use that listening to transform, to be the people of love and welcome and peace. We write these words on our hearts. And then we have to do something. So what do we do? Use this pattern. Don't just let words hang there and preserve our power. Use it to set others free. To challenge the systems. And while we're doing it, let's sing out from prison. Let's sing out. And that's a real faith, y'all. That's a real faith. That's a faith that sets others free. That's a faith that saves lives. That's a faith that shakes the foundations of the earth and breaks the chains. And let me tell you this, my friends, it is all good news. It is all good news. It is all good news, and it is worth singing about. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.